You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, it is good to be here the, this evening uh, for um, part whatever it is in our series, The Ten. Um, and I'm talking tonight on honor your father and mother. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, a teenage boy had just gotten his driver's license, but as it is with most teenage boys that get a driver's license, they got the license and no car. So he begged his dad, Dad, would you let me use your car to get around and go for a few drives, put this driver's license to the test? And his dad saw this as an opportunity to strike up a bit of a deal. He says, okay, son, this is how it's going to work. If you lift your grades from a C up to a B average, study your Bible and get a haircut, cut that dirty, dirty mullet off your head, then we will talk about the car. Well, the son thought about it for a few moments, decided it was a good deal, and they shook on it. About six weeks later, the dad comes along and says, son, I noticed that you've lifted your grades, and I see that you've been studying your Bible, but I'm disappointed that you haven't cut your hair yet. To which the son says, see, dad, the thing is, I've been thinking about this. And in my studies of the Bible, I noticed that Samson had long hair, John the Baptist had long hair, Moses had long hair. In fact, dad, there's even evidence to suggest that Jesus had long hair, to which the, son, the dad replied, Yes, and did you notice how they walked everywhere they went? That's quite good. We've been working our way through the Ten Commandments, and actually on purpose we've been going from the bottom ten all the way up to the top, but naturally they read from one all the way down to ten, and the first few are all about our relationship with God, and we're going to get to those in the weeks ahead. Um, But isn't it interesting that if we were to look from the top down, the very first one that deals with our relationships with people is actually to do with our parents. Now, I would have thought that not murdering or not committing adultery was a more pressing issue, but the fifth commandment shows us that God considers the family unit an integral part of our society. You know, families are under attack like never before. Our media portrays families as these dysfunctional messes, incompetent dads that have no clue, mums that have all the power and authority, there's no partnership, there's no working together, it's just jealousy, mistrust, suspicion, and unruly kids. There is a fight going on to pull apart families according to God's design. And families are finding it harder and harder as time goes on to raise godly kids in a world that is so bombarded with earthly influence. I I remember my time uh, when Darcy and I were the youth pastors here, and so many occasions we would be up in our office with parents that had come to see us at their absolute wit's end, sometimes bawling their eyes out, pleading with us, us us in our early to mid-twenties, can you make my son listen to my instructions? No. They'll be like, can you please tell my son to do his homework and get off the PlayStation? No way. I remember sitting there as these parents desperately pleaded with us to help, thinking, I think you might have lost sight of what my role is in all of this. Now, we didn't have kids, and respectfully, I had to try and challenge the parents to let them know that they were the parent, not their kid's best friend. You're in charge, not the teenager. Teenagers don't want to hear this one. You don't need another best friend Sorry, the the teenager doesn't need another best friend that will fold under every instruction, but rather they need a parent who will care for them by nurturing them, protecting them, and disciplining them. See, the parent's role is to transfer great things from one generation to the next, and God thinks about families generationally. In fact, it's very Western world of us to parent our kids in silos, just to be like, this is me, and this is our family, and this is how we're going to do it, and we don't want to hear it from anywhere else. In historical biblical times, when this commandment was first 
given, they actually lived out that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It wasn't, it takes a village to support a parent, but there was this generational responsibility to help in the raising process. These days, it kind of feels like you can't even look at someone else's kids without being judged. But at the time this commandment was received, that parent-child relationship existed not only between the kids and their parents, but between uncles and aunties, grandparents, the neighbors, the butcher down the road, and the mailman. It was like this collective generational responsibility. Those who were older treated all of the children as though they were their own kids. And the kids respected and honored all of the elders as if they were their own parents. I think about that, and I reckon we've lost a lot of the value that that approach brings to parenting, especially when you consider the way that we've got it set up today. It's not only the parents that transfer good lessons from one generation to the other, but actually the whole generation carries that responsibility. I remember when I was 16, I got kicked out of home. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes, but um, I was living with my best friend and his family, and uh, they took me in. It was so amazing of them to do that, and at 16, our whole group of friends were like, we're going to go on a New Year's trip up to Northland, because that's where the party's happening. Let's go. But I decided I'm going to let everyone go and I'm going to hang back an extra day because I'm going to go get my restricted license. It was booked in. I'm going to drive my own car up there. That's going to be so cool. Turbo automatic. It was mean. Um, that's when petrol was like $1.20 a litre. So I was keen as to drive myself. Anyway, I stuck around. I set the test. I got my license. I come home and I'm so pumped. I'm packing my bags and then my friend's mom. My friend had already left without me because he, he was part of the friend group, funnily enough. And, and his, his mom said to me, where are you going? I said, oh, I've got my license, Louise. How good? I'm the man. I'm going to drive my own car all the way. She says, nah, you're not driving that. It's too dangerous. I'm like, licensed. Like, just as qualified as you. I'm thinking that. I'm not crazy, right? I knew that in that moment, you're not my real mom. Wouldn't have gone down too well. She was from Zimbabwe. It's kind of like South African, and I'm, I'm stupid, but not crazy. Like, I was in her house, right? Like, I wasn't going to mess with that. And so... It's crazy because, like, she wasn't actually my real mum, but how amazing for her to take me into her home as a 16-year-old. And I realized in that moment, even though she wasn't my mum, she was in that mother-like position and she deserved to be honored. I disagreed. You have to understand, I disagreed so much. It was like wrecking my whole holiday, but I didn't disagree on a fundamental values or moral basis. And although it was hard, I knew I had to honor her and I obeyed and I caught a ride with some other random dude. I want to read this one more time, Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You know what's really cool about this commandment is it's the very first one that comes with a promise, right? You read, do not murder. Like, just don't murder. Don't take people's lives. Don't even have hatred in your heart towards a brother or sister. That's subject to the, the judgment of the court, just like actually murdering someone. It's just don't do it. No exceptions. Don't commit adultery. Be faithful. No exceptions. And then you get this one. Honor your father and mother. And if you do, you will be blessed and rewarded with a long, full life. That's pretty cool. The historical theologian John Calvin, when reflecting on this commandment to honor your father and mother, notes the sacred origin of the role of a human father. He connects the honor of our honor due to our earthly father with that of the honor that is due to God. He concludes that the duty of honor does not depend on whether that father is particularly worthy or not. He does, though, acknowledge that some fathers are outright wicked, and there is no excuse for sin in the name of honoring a parent, calling that idea absurd. So in other words, God is worthy of honor simply on the basis that He is God. It doesn't matter if we think He has or hasn't done good things. Because He is God, He is worthy to be revered and respected. And in a similar way, but limited, 
The same could be said about our parents. Regardless of whether we think they've done good things or bad things, their parenting of us is derived from God's fathering of us, and therefore they qualify on the sheer fact that they are our parents. However, John Calvin is also really quick to clarify that there is a boundary to this. To excuse sin in the name of honoring a parent just does not stand. If your parent were to request of you to engage in some illegal activity, you couldn't justify that obedience by saying, well, I'm just honoring my parent. Now, there's probably three different groups of people in the room today. I realize it's a generalization. Maybe you're the fourth group, but maybe three main groups. The first group is this. You would say, I've got a really good relationship with my parents, to which I say, praise God. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you do. You want to know how to biblically honor your parents so that you can be obedient to the command that God has over your life. The second group, you would say, the relationship with my parents is okay. It's definitely not strong, though. You have your challenges and disagreements. You sometimes butt heads a little bit. You agree to disagree a lot of the time, and you can both sort of live with that. And then the third group is that there is very little to no relationship, and in fact, it's the relationship you want to think the least about. It's damaged. It's broken. It's marked by hurt and offense. And if you're to be honest, you've already marked out a life for yourself that doesn't include them in it. But whatever category you might fall into, or maybe you're a fourth category, God's command and His instruction for all of us is exactly the same. We must honor our parents. You might say, but Frosty, you don't understand. Oh, I understand. I understand the potential disappointment, the hurt, the feeling of abandonment, the frustration, the very real conclusion that this is just so much easier to not think about. I understand. Now, I know that some people here know a little bit about my story, and I'm happy to share any of it, but growing up for me was just riddled with challenge with my parents throughout my whole life. There is no part of my childhood that I can think of that excludes the tainted nature of my relationship with my parents, particularly with my mum. In every good moment, bad moment, in every celebration, and every milestone lingering in the background and sometimes in the foreground was this incredibly broken abusive, manipulative, and just straight sad bond between me and my mom. In fact, between my mom and all of my siblings. I grew up in a household with a handful of siblings, all from different dads, with my mom and her long-term boyfriend. And while I do remember some reassuring support on the sideline of the rugby field and her presence at prize givings, life at home was anything but how God had intended it. Me and my siblings would be physically hit often and without control, and I'm talking far beyond discipline. We were told regularly that she wished that she was just in prison. It would be far easier there than dealing with us. We were often kicked out of the house at all sorts of different times of the day and night, sometimes having to turn up to school with no school uniform or one of the socks and not the other sock and ended up getting in trouble at school for not having the right uniform. Like, talk about getting kicked while you're down. Constantly bombarded with hate and blame. Every single one of my siblings is like a bunch, um, lose count sometimes. All of us left between the age of 16 and 17. At different times, obviously, as we approached that age, we just wanted to go anywhere else that would take us. And while I had a good relationship with my dad before he suddenly passed away in 2009, he split up with my mum when I was two, and so we only spent the occasional weekend with him that naturally just became fewer and further between as time went on. Now, it wouldn't be hard for you to believe that within this developing little guy, resentment had built up in my heart towards my mum. And if you had told me at that time that I needed to honor my mum, it would have literally sounded like the most absurd idea to me. I would have claimed that respect and honor isn't given, it's earned. 
I would have defended that request by asking, what is it that she is worthy to be honored for? You may have a similar story to me. Perhaps yours has been worse or better, or maybe there's just parts of my story that resonate with you. And as reasonable as little Frosty's defenses may sound, they're just not biblical. It's actually just not the way God has asked us to respond. And along the way, I've come to learn a little bit more about what it means to honor God. I realize I've misunderstood it a lot. And yet, honoring our parents is expected of all of us, even if you had an experience like me. Now, for those that find this particularly difficult, I want to reassure you that God isn't asking you to go on this journey alone. One of the names for the Holy Spirit, which is God, God's presence with us here in the earth, He's the one that indwells you and gives you power for your life. One of His names is the Comforter. He actually comforts you. It's in His very nature when you feel broken, and He comforts you when you step out to take on challenging challenges. (laughs) For some, honoring your parents is easy. And yet for others, it is currently unthinkable. The great journey of this Christian life is walking with God hand in hand through your greatest challenges so that on the other side of them, you have freedom, you have peace, the weight can be lifted, and you find breakthrough in every step. It's like Peter being called out of the boat onto the water by Jesus. You know it's a step of faith. You know God is asking you to trust Him, but in the back of your mind, you're still kind of thinking, but I might drown if I do. And I'm believing that today is the day for some people in this room to take your first step out of the boat, to trust God with the process. It's going to be scary, but you know it's a step that God is asking you to take. And so I want us to pray in just a moment as we use the moments we have left to unpack what it actually looks like to honor our parents. Because God says if we would do that, it would go well with us and we would live long on the earth. So let's take a moment to pray before we get into some of the details. Father God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your sovereign plan over our whole life. And even now as we dive into this really difficult subject, for some in the room, it's like their heart is beating, their mind is in turmoil, they just don't want to go there. I thank you, God, that you are a soother of hearts, that you bring comfort, that you bring peace, that there absolutely is a way through. We thank you for that. Lead us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in John Wesley's commentary of this commandment to honor our earthly mother and father, he summarizes the actions that express honor, right? This is what it means to express honor. There's five things, and I think they might come up on the screen, but I'll read them to you anyway. It says, first one, inward esteem of them, outwardly expressed. So to not just hold someone in esteem, but actually be willing to say the words. Number two, obedience to their lawful commands. Note the word lawful, that's important. Number three, submission to their rebukes, instructions, and corrections. Number four, acting with consideration, right? Not always having to do it, but acting with consideration of parental advice, direction, and consent. And number five, giving comfort and providing for their physical needs when aging. Now, for the sake of time tonight, we have just a few minutes left. I'm going to summarize those even further, just to a few key action points that we can take away and apply to our lives as we leave this space. Are you ready? How do we honor our parents? Firstly, we accept them. We accept them. You know, to esteem someone or something is to hold them in high regard or to consider them favorably. Remember that your parents are no longer the superheroes that you once thought they were when you were a kid. You've come to learn that they're just people that clearly clearly carry their own hurts, challenges, insecurities, and pain. And yet despite their shortcomings, there are parts of who they are that can be held in high regard. Some of you are like, I'm going to have to search real far. I'm going to have to go real deep. Maybe maybe you will. But there are parts, and to honor our parents is to actively consider what those things are, to actually look for the things that are praiseworthy and admirable while also understanding not all of them will be. You know, I'm absolutely obsessed with our little 10-month-old boy, Boston. 
I'm, I'm weak at the knees. That kid's got me wrapped around his little finger. I love everything about him. I miss him when he sleeps. At the end of most nights, I'm sitting in bed, like just looking at photos and video. Darcy, have you seen this? She's like, I took that. I'm like, I know, but how cute is this kid? He's the cutest kid I've ever seen in my whole life. I'll fight you. And the crazy thing is for pretty much every single person in the room, that's exactly how your parents looked upon you in your early days. You would have been so cute, not as cute as Boston, but you would have been so cute. Your parents couldn't believe the goodness of God as they gazed upon you. That's amazing, right, to consider our parents' heart towards us. But we also have to know that our parents are people who were bullied in school. Our parents are people that have journeyed through grief and loss. Maybe they've had their heart broken and their trust shattered. They've walked walked through extreme disappointment and sometimes betrayal. They may have been parented in really unhealthy ways themselves. And a time comes within every mature Christian heart where, while we don't accept the bad behavior towards us, we do accept that the people that God has given us as our parents are the people that we've been given to honor. And it's true that over time we can sort of drift apart and connections can grow weaker, but to show genuine appreciation, even if it's small, even if you had to search real hard to find the thing, it can bring warmth to even the most closed-off heart. Check out Proverbs 23, verse 22. It says, listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she is old. You know, if honoring our parents and having a relationship with them is synonymous with honoring and having a relationship with God, then we are to freely give love and grace just as freely as we have received it. I love this, what Stephen Covey said. He says, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their behavior. Have you ever heard that? That's challenging. And it's so true. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Right? Like when we mess up with our behavior, like, yeah, but I meant well. Like, have some grace for me. Like, it's the thought that counts. I meant to do well, but so don't look at the behavior. Look at my heart. But then we look at other people. We're like, I don't care what your intention is. You said that. And you did that. And you shouldn't have. And it's like, yeah, but my intention was good. And we say, I don't care. We can be so quick to apply grace to our own life. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but we don't extend that grace to our parents and we only judge them by their actions. And my prayer today as I was preparing to come and share this, both in Papakura this morning and tonight, is that we would reflect on the grace and the love that we have received from God. And in turn, we would try to extend that out to our parents in the same way. We have to accept them. And the second thing we need to do is this. We need to appreciate them. Let's take a look at Matthew 15 from verse 1 to 9. It says, Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions? For they ignore the, cerem- the tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. That's serious. But you say, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vow to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say you don't need to honor your parents. And so they cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. See, the Pharisees and the scribes, they'd get together to have these discussions on the really important rules versus the not-so-important rules. And this passage shows us that Jesus finds himself in one of those discussions. And the Pharisees and scribes, they challenge Jesus because they're like, Jesus, your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat a kebab. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is he's like, that's a waste of my time. I'm not even going to address the surface level stuff because he goes straight to the root issue. He goes, you're so worried about the surface level stuff, you can't even get the main stuff right. 
all of a sudden he starts talking about how people aren't honoring their parents. It highlights to me again the value that God places on the family unit. They had lost sight of the fact that God wants us to take care of the generations. Jesus was saying that family is core to society and you're worried about washing your hands before a meal? You know, often we look at this commandment, honor your father and mother, and we think, ah, that's for kids and that's for parents. Right, as if there's like a time frame attached to following this commandment. But Jesus wasn't talking to children. He wasn't talking to teenagers. He was talking to older men, teachers of the law. There is never a moment in our lives where we shouldn't be honoring our parents. You know, according to Jewish custom, when something was said to be Corbin, it meant it was offered to God. And so that thing couldn't be used for anything or anyone else, including their parents. And Jesus challenges these guys. He goes, you guys have lost the plot. You've offered everything to God, and now you've got nothing left to honor your parents. You know, refreshingly enough, God doesn't ask us to give him all of our wealth or all of our resources, just a small portion, so that from the rest of it we could draw to honor our parents as they age. And it is part of our Christian duty to care for our parents' physical needs should they need it. You know, after my dad suddenly passed away in 2009, we obviously had to deal with the estate and the, the funeral arrangements and all of that. Um, after the lawyer's fees and everything that went on, uh, there wasn't much left really to come out of that. And we just decided as a broken, mixed up, messed up family that we would just let whatever was left go to my dad's partner. Obviously, we were all shattered. We were all gutted, but she had lost her, her lifelong partner. And so we just decided everything would, would go to her. We knew that was the best thing to do for us. But there was still a funeral to pay for, and none of us had money. And so uh, we needed to set up a payment plan, and I have a very disconnected family, and I was put in charge of organizing it, praise God. Not everyone, not all of my siblings wanted to pay the $10 a week payment over several years to, to cover the cost of the funeral, but those that were willing, we took that, took that on and we set it up. Now, it sounds all fine, except it wasn't long before several of my siblings, you know, wouldn't pay for several months at a time, but the bill would keep on coming in. Now, although my dad had passed away, I determined that I could help honor him by just covering those payments. Look, it wasn't a massive amount of, of money, but I knew it was a way that, I, I just know my dad would have been pleased to know the financial burden of his funeral wasn't gonna be something that would cause even more division among the division that already existed among his kids. It was a small gesture, but one of those ways I knew that I could honor and, and meet his needs even after death. First Timothy 5 verse one to four says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Remember what we spoke about earlier? Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. And so the question we all have to ask ourselves is, as we grow older and as we have aging parents, you may not have access to a whole lot of finance or resource, but what is it that you could do to support the needs of your parents as they age, should they need it? We need to accept them. We need to appreciate them. Thirdly and finally, and keys, you can join me, we need to forgive them. This is, this is the real hard one. You know, last week, we, we covered Do Not Murder. And I remember I was here. It was amazing. I sat under Steve's message. It was brilliant if you were here. He touched on one particular thing, which is really important, because we, we spoke about how anger in the heart usually is directed at those that have wronged us, humiliated us, neglected us, all that sort of thing. But that anger in the heart equates to being judged in the court just like murder does, and so we need to deal with that. But our response to that 
invites us to do the hardest thing a human being can do, to forgive. You know, to forgive our parents means releasing the debt we feel they owe us because of what they've said, done, not said, or not done. Maybe you feel like you're owed an apology, and you know what? You probably are. Maybe you feel like something needs to be made right. But forgiving your parents is saying, look, there's no unsettled account between us. I see the thing, I'm putting it behind me, I'm pushing it aside, I'm moving on, it no longer has power over me. See, forgiveness is not saying that what someone did was okay. It's not encouraging it, supporting it, or even accepting it. It's declaring in your heart that it'll no longer have a hold on your life. It will no longer create a wedge between the two of you. You know, I've realized that it can sometimes be really easy to notice the poor behavior of somebody. And with discernment, we can see the hurt that that person's acting out of. We see someone lash out. We're at the supermarket. We see a single mom with a bunch of kids, and she's just losing the pot of the kids. It's not because she's a bad mom. She's just right in the thick of it. And we can see situations like that, and for most of us, there's a level of ability. We, we can extend some grace and some love. We can extend some mercy and say, hey, we're all just people on a journey. But I've come to know and experience, and maybe you have too, that this is a lot harder to see and acknowledge and to do when it's a lot closer to home. When it's your own parents. You might say, how could my very own mum and dad abandon me? How could my very own dad speak those words over my life? It still cuts to this day. How could my parents cut me out and exclude me like that? How could my very own mother be so hurtful towards me? Of all the people in the world that should have treated you right, it's just so hard to accept that your very own parents have wronged you. They were meant to be there. They were meant to be on your side. And they weren't. You know, it is only by the grace of God that I've been able to come to a place where honestly, hand on heart, I have absolutely zero anger, frustration, or resentment towards my mom. It's by God's power and His power alone that I've been able to convert all of my anger, my disappointment, and my hurt into genuine compassion and mercy towards her. I haven't gotten it perfect. And I'm on that journey like everyone's on that journey, but I know that I've completely and utterly forgiven my mum of every single thing. I genuinely want goodness for her. I want breakthrough for her. There are parts of my mum's life that I can honor and hold in high regard, but I needed healing in my heart first. I can honor my mum and dad simply because God makes no mistake, and he chose to insert me into that family under that parenting. And that doesn't mean that God orders or ordains the abuse, but God gives authority, and His gifts are irrevocable. He gives authority to people when they choose to use that as they like, and sometimes it's used for good. In my case, it was used for bad. But the fact remains that my parents were appointed to me by God, and so I'm going to thank God for His sovereign plan over my whole life, even though I don't understand all of the details along the way. I need you to know tonight as we come to a close that the same can be said for you. The healing process starts with forgiveness, and forgiveness starts with surrendering it to God. When they can seem so unworthy, the greatest response of love is to forgive. We honor our parents when we accept them. 
we appreciate them, and we forgive them. And if you're a believer in this room, I know not everybody is, you've experienced the level of God's goodness, His grace, His mercy. At a time when we didn't deserve to be close to Him, we didn't deserve His love, we didn't deserve forgiveness, peace, life, hope, salvation, He still extended it to us. You've experienced that. And now it's time to act out of that place and extend some grace and us and extend some forgiveness towards our parents. In just a moment, we're going to do something that I know for some in this room will be so powerful. I think of Peter stepping out of the boat. Man, he must have been freaked out. Like, you know God called him. He had faith, but did he have enough? And as he took that first step out, he wasn't all the way there, but it was his first step. And tonight I'm believing for some people, it's your first step. Look, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to be great buddy-buddy with your parents again. You don't have to invite them into your life or into your children's life, but you're saying no longer is there a debt. It doesn't have a hold on me. They're forgiven. I'm free and I'm going forward. And so why don't we all just stand to our feet? For those that are here in the ministry team or some of our, our, our staff and interns, if you're comfortable, I just want to invite you guys to come forward to the front right now and just turn around and give others a place to come for prayer. We did this this morning in our Papakura campus, and in both of our services, a whole bunch of people came forward. But I need, I need to challenge you on this, because I already know it's happening here like it already happened in Papakura this morning. You're talking yourself out of it. Nah, it doesn't matter. I heard the message. It's all good. My heart responded. No, 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 no. Come forward. Receive prayer. Receive breakthrough. You need this. This is going to bring freedom to your life. This is not the whole journey, but it certainly might be the start of it for you. So the rest of us, we're just going to stand in God's presence. We're going to pray over you, but I don't want you to delay. If that's you, you know you need prayer. You need, need God's help for you to forgive your parents. Come right now. Right now. Just come. Don't delay. Just come and get prayer. It is only by God's grace and power that I've been able to do that. It's not because I was good, but simply because God is good. Just come forward. Have someone pray with you tonight. Might be the most significant thing you do or have done in a long time. You know you're forgiven when you genuinely want all the best for that person. And if you find it hard to come to that conclusion in your heart, maybe there's just a little bit of unforgiveness there that needs to be dealt with tonight. If that's you, just come forward. Don't worry about the fact that the praying people are occupied. Just come forward so that you don't talk yourself out of it later. A space will open up soon.
We'll just hold the altar open for a few more moments. And of course, you can linger after the service and still receive prayer. This is not a one-time offer, but if you know you need to come forward now, don't delay. We have a few people up here on my left that are available. We're all praying to the same God, and it's only God that can heal and bring restoration to your life. As we give these guys a few more moments just to pray for breakthrough and grace and understanding and compassion in the hearts of, of these brave people that have come forward, I just want you to ponder on how you might, from this place, go forward and accept your parents, mess and all, just like we were accepted by God, mess and all, how you might show appreciation to them and perhaps if they're elderly, think about how you might meet their physical needs in their old age. Well, God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you that your compassion on us is an example on how we can try our very best to be compassionate and merciful and gracious towards those in our life. God, we believe you don't make mistakes. And although some of the things that have been said to us, done to us, or not said or done can be very hurtful, we thank you that you enter into that pain with us. You do bring healing. You do bring breakthrough. And we do believe you're sovereign over our whole picture. So God, I thank you for our parents in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that unity would come, that strong bonds would come. And even if it means there's no ongoing relationship, I pray that forgiveness would remove any wedge, any pain, anything that would come in between us, that we would think highly of them. We thank you, God, that you think of the family generationally. And as one person in that generational timeline, it's our responsibility to ensure unity is held. Awesome. Hey, I just want to invite everyone. You can just take your seat right where you are. I'm going to pray one final prayer. And so I just want to invite everyone in this room to close their eyes. In a crowded room, I want to present to you the greatest invitation you've ever received. It may be a crowded room, but it's a personal invitation. And I want to pray a prayer and lead you in it tonight. If you would say, I'm here in this room and I'm hearing about this love and this grace of God that at the very least has transformed that preacher guy's heart towards his mom. God wants to transform your life in the same way. In fact, more than just transforming your life, what he wants more than anything is to know you like a father knows a son, but a good heavenly father. 
And the Bible says that every single one of us have sinned. In fact, Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of His glorious standard. We don't measure up. We can't earn it or deserve it. But by God's grace, He extends His salvation to us as a free gift. And in just a moment, if you want to get your life right with God, you want forgiveness for your past, brand new life right now, and the promise of eternity in heaven with Him, then this invitation is for you. You don't have to get it all sorted. You don't have to sort your life out, but it invites you exactly as you are. I'll pray this out loud. You pray this in your heart. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I've sinned. I've chosen my own way above your way, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to a cross. And on that cross, he took the punishment my sin deserved so that today I could walk free. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I thank you that you do. I choose this day to trust you with every step of my life, even when it's hard. And so I turn from my old life towards brand new life with you. I thank you, God, that the old is gone and the new has come. With every eye closed, I want you to do one final brave thing. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. Why? Because you're a brand new creation. You're a brand new creation brought into relationship with God, and I want you to do something nice and brave. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand nice and high. I'll see it. You can put it straight back down. I won't embarrass you. This is like a big step of faith. It's like that step out of the boat. Here we go. Are you ready? If you prayed it, I want you to lift your hand in three, two, one, go now. Nice and high. Awesome on my left. Amazing. On my right here in the center. Incredible. Anyone else, you prayed that prayer? You meant it. You know you need to get your life right today. Today is your day to walk out of this place right with the God who made you. Is there anyone else? Awesome. Well, we thank you, God, for brand new life. We thank you for those people that it wasn't about a hand. It was always about a heart transformation. We thank you, God, that you were with them. Go before them. Bring the right people around them to support them on this beautiful journey. We praise you for your grace and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that made that decision. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.